All right. Well, good morning, everyone. How many are thankful to be alive today? More importantly, how many are thankful to be born again today? And what does that mean? It means that you are a child of the Most High God. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful to be living in 2022, and I know Jesus. Anybody else thankful for that? <laughs> All right. Well, if you've gotten ready to, we're going to have a good time this morning. I know the Lord's going to say some things to us. Uh, before we kick this off, I want to actually just share with you a little, uh, a little family time that we had uh, with our kids. And like, we, we do this regularly. We have worship time with them. And uh, they're just particular. My youngest son, Brooks, just got into this. And I want to just show you a little clip because we were just doing Psalm chapter 8, verse 2. Let me just read that to you because we've been talking about releasing our spiritual authority. And how do we release our spiritual authority? Thank you, Pastor Marlinda. One. Anybody else? How do we release? Praise. Praise. Come on, y'all say it one more time. How do we release our spiritual authority? Praise. Now it says this in Psalm chapter 8 and verse 2. It says, you have built a stronghold by the songs of children. Strength rises up with the chorus of infants. This kind of praise has power to shut Satan's mouth. And childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. So I want to just show you, there's a, a little boy here that shut the devil's mouth in his pampers last night. So clearly, if he can do it, y'all, we can do it as well. I want to just, and I, I apologize, maybe the video quality is not the highest, but I really want you to just take a look at this little clip here for a moment. That's what it is. Now, <laughs> we call that devil booty kicking time. Not about you, but it's time the church has some devil booty kicking time. And you can do it in your underwear. You can do it in pampers. It don't matter how young or how old you are. We can do it all. Because guess what? You've been given the authority. And so what is praise? Praise is releasing our spiritual authority. It has the power to shut Satan's mouth. And I'll just give you a quick little, small little testimony. This past week, some sickness tried to come on my youngest son, Brooks. And what did we do? We praised. What did we do? We already announced the finished works of Jesus. We already told what is the finished work. We're not looking at what he looked like. We're not looking at the sounds that he's making. What do we declare and confess? What the word has already said. And what did we do? We just started, no devil is going to tread on my family. So what do we do? We push him back. How? Through praise. God loves it. Satan hates it. And that's why we do it. Amen. Anybody? Hoorah. All right. That was my diaper commercial for you today. And let's, uh, let's turn in our Bibles here to 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to continue on here for a moment 
what we've been doing these last weeks. And again, we're just going to be talking about releasing our spiritual authority. And I got a, something a little bit direction that I want to take us today, and I believe the Lord wants us to go. And I'm excited because, again, we're talking about this table here. Everybody see this table? What we're calling it is the table of the victorious. When you sit and when you're with the table of those of victorious, it sounds different. The conversation is different. The thought is different. Therefore, the actions are different. And so what we're doing as born-again child children of God, we are learning how to operate and function from this table. Jesus paid too high of a price for you and I to get our butts kicked in life. Can I get an uh-huh on that? It's not the will of God. It's never been the plan of God. So we need to operate how this table and how, this, how to function from this place. All right, so 1 John chapter 5, let me begin it this way. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is, notice this, is not on their way. They are God's spiritual child, and they have been fathered by God himself. Woo! Who's your daddy? Come on, who's your daddy? God's my dad. That's my dad. Not Mike's my dad. His prices are so low, they scare me. Anyway, and everyone who loves Father God loves his children as well. Verse 2, this is how we can be sure that we love the children of God. Or just looking at it this way, man, I'm having a hard time loving my brother or sister in Christ. They're a real pain in the butt. How can I grow in that love? By having a passionate love for God and by obeying his commands. Just swelling up and growing in my love for God. I want to love you. That's, that's the proof. Okay, verse 3. Then he says, true love for God means obeying his commands. So just saying, I love God, I love him, really doesn't mean nothing unless there's obedience attached to it. And again, his commands, they don't weigh us down. Other translations say they're not irksome. They don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Now, verse 4. So he says, you see. Everybody say, see. see. So, child of God, this is what we got to see. Not just get it here. We got to see it on the inside. This is who you are, not on your way to becoming. This is who you is right now. The moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he made you this way. What are you? Every child of God overcomes the world. Not one day overcoming. Overcomes when? Now. I am. Say it with me. I am a world overcomer. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am a world overcomer. Now, again, operating from this table, this is how we think. I am a world overcomer. So when you start out on the word, you start out on the answer. This is, this is it. When we start out on the word, we start out on the answer. So we're not looking for victory somewhere out there. No, Jesus leads you from victory to victory, not defeat to victory. No such thing as a child of God who should be losing every day of their life. It's not God's will. It's never in his plan. So what are we learning? How to operate from this table. Doesn't mean that attacks don't come. Of course, they come to everybody. But now, rather than you and I just living under the conditions or the problems that we're facing, we are now sitting above all of it, and we're learning how to operate and move, not just get through it, but overcome, take a step, giant step over top and say, I already defeated that. That's who you are. For our faith now, is the victorious power or it's the key that triumphs over the world. Now, verse 5, I love the way that he just brings it out again, just in case we didn't get it. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
So there's a qualification for this. What's the qualification? Is those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you aren't a born-again believer, well, today's your day, because I'm sure you're tired of getting your butt kicked. So the world, they're going to get their butt kicked constantly. Why? Because there's no belief that Jesus is the Son of God. The moment you choose to believe that is the moment your overcoming days begin. Why? Because you hang out with King Jesus. He doesn't know how to lose. Now, let's look into this. Now, again, I believe this with all my heart. We're moving away from a religious table, which, again, has the thought or the common thought of this would be, well, God's just in control. That's the thought that you get a lot at the religious table. Well, God's just in control. Whatever happens just has to happen. Not true. Because if that's the case, why doesn't God get everybody saved? Don't we see that First Timothy chapter 2? That's his will, that all men be saved? Well, if God's in control, he would make everybody go to church. He'd make everybody bring their tithe. But what has he done? He loves free reign. You do whatever you want to do. You got to make the choices, though, to line up with his word. So it's all on you. The responsibility is not on him. He gave it to you. Now, what we're going to talk a little bit about here is, um, well, obviously operating from this table, what it sounds like. But before we get going, I want to just show you, and I, Satan's not all that. Can we just say that together? Satan, you're not all that. Now, for a prideful being, that hurts. <laughs> He's not all that he plans or thinks that or really what the church makes him out to be. Hollywood paints this picture of all the horror films and all that stuff, that he's some scary dude. Well, the Bible says otherwise. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? He's not going to like this. That's why we're going to preach it. Isaiah chapter 14, look at this for a moment. He says, how you are a fallen from heaven, O shining star, Lucifer, son of the morning, you have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. Now notice, why? how did he fall? Verse 13, it says, For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. Verse 14, he said, I will climb the highest heavens and be like the most high God. What an arrogant being. Now verse 15, now, can we just say that first word? Instead. So, Lucifer, you say, I will, I will, I will. Instead of all those I wills, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. <laughs> okay, verse, <laughs> verse 16. Everyone there will stare at you and ask, this? <laughs> just stop for a sec. This? Anybody ever received a gift from somebody before you go, this? Did you want to try again? No. Well, it's the same way for like, they're going to see him and they're going to go, this be the one that shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? This thing? This thing shut down the world for two years? This stupid piece of trash? This? Verse 17. Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on his prisoners? This? When people get a realization of who he is, what he is, this is trying to put sickness on this body? This is trying to bring anxiety to this soul? Whoa, 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 whoa. This is trying to cause havoc in my household? 
No, 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 no. That's, no, that's not how it's going to work around here. This thing? Come on, just say it with me. This? They don't even give them a name. They just call it this? This? So what do you know? Rather than calling it as this big demonic power, this is what's causing chaos? This? This thing? See, when you put him in his rightful place, trampling over him, that's why Brooks can do it no problem. Same Holy Ghost in him that is in the inside of me. And what do we do? We keep stomping on him. We're called to tread on him. Now, how can we say all of this? <laughs> now, listen, all of this has already become true because of what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection of the cross. Amen? Now, look at this in 1 John 3, 8. The very bottom part of this, it says, this is why, the reason, I want you to see it from there, the reason the Son of God was revealed. Okay, now I want you to say this is the purpose, the reason for his coming. Why did Jesus come? Was to undo. So Satan did something. What did Jesus do? Undo and destroy. Come on, say it with me. Undo and destroy. So he undid everything Satan did, and then he destroyed it. That's why Jesus came. That's why he was revealed to mankind. This is why he came 2,000 years ago, was to undo what Satan did and destroy the works of the devil. Now, did he do that? We can say, yeah, let me just give you a couple scriptures to give you some ammo this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, let's look here for a moment. In verse 14 and 15. Now, it says, since all of his children, talking about you and I, who have flesh and blood, right? We got flesh and blood? You got flesh this morning? Good, because otherwise you couldn't be here. This is your earth suit. You have flesh and blood. So Jesus became human. Why? To fully identify with us. He did this. Now, I want you, you really got to take the time to unpack some of these words or really just read it word upon word so you can see this. He did this. Did what? Became flesh, identified fully with us so that he could experience death and annihilate. What does it mean to annihilate? To obliterate. What does it mean to obliterate? To absolutely destroy. Nothing left of it. To annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. So what did Jesus annihilate? The power of death. Verse 15 says, by embracing death, now I want you to just see it. He embraced death, spiritual death. Jesus now sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to what? To death. So what did Jesus do? He embraced death. Why? So that you and I don't have to be scared of dying anymore. He has freed you from every phobia there is. He's already done it. Well, how, how did he do that? He came to, why was the Son of God revealed? To absolutely undo and destroy the works of Satan. That's what he came here to do. So what kind of phobias do we have in the world? There's a, free of, a fear of flying. There's a fear of, of driving. There's a fear of sitting. There's a fear of standing. There's a fear of falling. There's a fear of snakes. There's a fear of spiders. There's a fear of swimming. There's a claustrophobia. There's all these things. You go on and on and on and on and on. And all of it have their root in, I'm scared of dying. So what did Jesus do? He freed all of us from the fear of death. So that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 can say, death, where is your sting? Because what happens? The scariest thing on earth, you want to know what the scariest thing on earth is? Dying not knowing Jesus. 
That is the scariest thing on earth. But for you and I as believers, what's the worst that could happen? One, your last breath is now. Guess where your next breath is? <gasps> That's what I'm talking about. So we go, oh man, oh man. Like we've, we've almost listened to the church. We've almost reverenced death. How? Have anybody been to a funeral? I'm sorry for your loss. You didn't lose them. If they're a child of God, guess where they are? They're there. They've been waiting for you. They're there sitting up there. And for us, it may, I've, been, I've been listening to a, a message from Jesse Duplantis on his vision with Evan. Jason and I have been watching it. And he just shared a quick little thing. If anybody has a, a loved one that's been there for 25 years, it's only been eight minutes heaven time. So he says, I'll see you soon. It's been eight minutes. It hasn't even been a weekend yet. It's a totally different way of operating and thinking. But for you and I, we have to get a different concept, a different thought life in, in going on here. We don't reverence death. Death is an enemy. And it's the last enemy that we put under our feet, the Bible tells us. So what do we do? When a loved one goes home to be with the Lord, guess what? We can celebrate and comfort one another with these words. Guess what? He's in my future, no longer in my past. I'm so excited to see. I got family up there. Anyways, let's move on along here for a sec. Did Jesus accomplish this? Absolutely. So what kind of phobias? And I want to encourage you, if there's any phobias that you may have, I want you to start meditating on some of these things. Really see what did Jesus do on the cross? He embraced death so I don't have to be scared of death ever again or any kind of phobia. So if you're scared of driving, guess what? Sit in that car. You prove to yourself and say, you know what? Jesus has freed me from this fear. Is it a fear of spiders? What do you do? I'm, my goal is to be as brave as my daughter. We, there was a spider in our basement. And uh, Jason, our, our two oldest boys, they ran up the stairs. Mama, there's, mama, there's, a, there's a spider in the basement. Well, go kill it. Go kill it. I'm not touching that. No, you I'm not touching that. London went, I'll do it. So she grabbed a piece of toilet paper. Bam, smashed it. Picked it up. Here it is. Yeah, she gets that from me. That's right, man. That's what I'm talking about. Any phobias, no more. No more. It's not worth it. Anyways, continuing on here. Let's look. I want to continue to show what Jesus did. Colossians chapter 2, 14 and 15. Did Jesus do? Did he undo and annihilate the power of the enemy? Yes, he did. Look at this, Colossians 2. It says, now Jesus canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. Listen, he erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Everything we once were in Adam, the sin, depression, all of those horrible dark states that you could be in, he deleted it all, we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then verse 15, it says, Jesus made a spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness. What does that mean? He made fun of. He makes fun of darkness. He makes a spectacle out of it. He embarrassed them. 
stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to what? To accuse you. Now, he says, and by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in the procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. They thought that they had him. Oh, man, God flipped the table on him. He had them. And boy, did he whoop them. He not just embarrassed them. He annihilated everything that Satan once had, including the keys of death. Okay, now, the implication here is that between the day of crucifixion and the day of resurrection, while in the spirit realm, Jesus destroyed death, the powers of darkness, and every work of the enemy through the blood of his cross, and all the enemy's weapons have been stripped away from him, and now the church, come on, say with me, the church has authority in Christ to enforce this triumph upon the dethroned rulers of this world. What are we here for? This is a table of enforcing. We're going to get into that in a second here. I want to show you this. The Aramaic brings out a different thought to this. The Aramaic says this, After sending out his body, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and believers, they enforce his triumph to the thrones and the authorities, putting all, putting all them to public shame by the manifestation of himself in them. Galatians 2.20 talks about Jesus using our body as a second existence. We are here to enforce. And by you and I yielding our body to him, Jesus is able to enforce his victory for every dark situation this world or you could ever encounter or this world could ever face. It's in you. Now, again, remembering, (laughs) we have now to enforce the victory over darkness. This is our job. So again, we're learning this table here. And at this table, I want to talk about this. What does this table look like when we sit here? Is at this table, the victorious are commanders, not beggars. We're not begging at this table. This isn't a table. Oh God, can you please heal me? Oh God, can you please do this? Oh God, can you please change this situation? That is not what Jesus told us to do. He told you and I to enforce and to command what he's already done. Now, just for sake of what this illustration is, learning to sit at this table as one's a command, the commander in this case, in this situation, is someone who is conscious of the power and the authority God has given them and will enforce it on darkness. Not people, darkness. Do I have control over people? No. Do, we, do you have control over people? No. What's our authority for? It's over darkness. Now, the beggar, again, in this situation, is someone who isn't aware that the responsibility to enforce the power of God is in their control. Did you know that the power of God to heal, for example, isn't in heaven? It's here. Where is it? It's right here. He gave us the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Where does He dwell? He lives on the inside of us. So we're looking to God. God, can you heal? God, if I could just get a touch from heaven, I'd be fine. He's going, I've already done everything I'm going to do. It's on the inside of you. Enforce it. That's what the church has to wake up to. You find the church even talking to the the Ephesus church in Ephesians chapter 4, and he's telling them, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Wake up, church. Wake up, church. Why? Because we got so many people begging. God, can you please, oh God, can you just make all this stop out here? It's ridiculous. He says, you do it. You're the enforcer. You're the speaker. I need you to learn to take your seat at the table. 
This is where I sit. How about you? All right. Now, again, I want to just give a lot of scripture for this so we're not just blowing smoke and getting people hyped up. There's scripture for this. Matthew chapter 28. I want to just, again, see this very familiar verse to you. But verse 18, Jesus came close to them and he said, all authority. What did he come to do? He came to destroy, to undo, and to destroy all the works of Satan. Correct? And then he do that. We read that in Colossians chapter 2, correct? Okay. So then Jesus rises from the dead, and before he ascends to sit at the right hand of the Father, where now he is interceding on your and my behalf, thank you, Jesus, what did he tell the church? He didn't talk to his disciples, because remember, if, again, you've got to really do some study on this. In John chapter 20, Jesus approached his disciples, and they were hiding in that room, and all of a sudden he appeared. Now, when you just appear in a room, that doesn't help the fear situation that's maybe going on in that room. Hey, guys, here I am. Ah! <laughs> And what did he do? He breathed on them. (sighs) Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. And at that moment, the disciples became born again. Correct? And now they follow Jesus out. He came close to them. And now he's telling the church, he says, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Jesus said that. Now, if he would have just said, peace, see ya then we would be able to say, he is in control. God is in control. He said, all authority is given unto me. And he went, see ya. And off he went. But he didn't stop there. Then he continued on in verse 19. And he said, now, wherever you go, meaning the work that I started and begun, you carry it through. Can we see that? Wherever you go, now you make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And he says, and teach them to be faithful, follow all my commands. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Mark chapter 16 gives a little bit more detail as to what we're supposed to do. What did he say? Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. But I want you just to see what Jesus, what was he trying to tell you and I? Is that, hey, the authority, I've got it all. I have 100% of it. Satan, therefore, has 0%. So now he's saying, I'm giving to you, church, 100% authority on this earth to carry out and be stewards of the power that I've just gotten back for you. Okay. So I want you to, again, go back here for a sec. And now the authority that we have is far superior than anything Adam and Eve ever walked in. Far superior. So what Jesus did, not only did he get back what was once lost, but he also gave us the authority over the demonic realm. Because again, I want you just to remind you of this. In the Old Testament, the believers of that time, they did not have authority over Satan. Right? Why? They were not born again children of God. And so what happened is the Old Testament message was simply this. Here is the law. Here's the Ten Commandments. You do these ten things, and God has access now to intervene on your behalf. But if you don't, Satan's got full access to you. Even if the Old Testament, like really, you don't see a whole lot about the devil in the Old Testament. You find that in Isaiah. There's a few other things in Ezekiel. There's very little about Satan or hell in the Old Testament. Why? Because the, the believers at the time had no clue. They didn't know what the source of all the problems were. Can, can we see that, yeah. right? So what good would it have been to do, hey, David, you know what? It's actually, 
It's not actually, you know, King Saul's not actually, there's a, there's a, there's a demonic spirit behind all of that. Well, what could David do? He didn't have the power authority to cast out the devil. Can we see this? So what happened? Old Testament just had to live under those laws until the son of man showed up and revealed. I'm getting darker. Can you still see me? Okay. The son of man revealed and showed up. And what happened? He bought back and took back all of that authority. So now the New Testament authority that you and I have been given, it is a tremendous privilege. We, you and I get to the source of what the problems really are. And the problem behind a lot of the stuff we're seeing is the enemy, Satan himself. And now Jesus said, I give you the power and authority over this being. Now look at this, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. What did Jesus tell his disciples at that time? He said he called the 12 of them over to him, and he gave them what? Come on, y'all see this. They gave him authority to what? To drive out impure spirits and to what? Heal every kind of disease and sickness. Now look at this, verse 7. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is here, is near. Verse 8, Jesus, uh, heal the sick. Notice he didn't say pray for the sick. What did he tell them to do? Heal them. How am I supposed to do that? Become conscious of the God on the inside of you. The power to heal is not up in heaven. The power to heal is on the inside of you. Come on, we got it. It's right here. It's not somewhere out there. It's right here. The healing power of Jesus is right here. He says, heal the sick. What else do we do? Raise the dead. Then he says, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out the demons, drive them out freely you have received, so freely give. Woo! That's a good place to be at. Look at this, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Again, Jesus summoned the 12 apostles, and he imparted to them authority over every demon and the power to heal every disease. So again, the power of God to heal is where? It's on the inside of us. So what is God looking for? Oh, God, can you just heal us? We're just asking you, please heal, please heal. No, he's already done all the healing he is going to do 2,000 years ago for every disease that mankind could ever face or would just show up. He's already done it. Do we see that? I want to encourage you. This is something you got to get into. Because this changes the way you think, this changes the way you talk, this changes the way you live. Rather than going, well, God's just into control. I guess whatever happens, happens. <coughs> God, if you want me to keep this sickness, I'll just keep it. He don't. He's not interested in you being sick. What does he want you to do? Enforce the victory that you have through him. So he said this. Now, with this responsibility, with this great blessing that he gave us, also there's a warning to it. Because this authority I have been given, but if I don't use it, it could be used against me or I see nothing happen in my life. Now look at this, James 4, 7. Again, familiar passages. We've gone over this. He says, surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will turn and run away from God. No, who? You! The battle is not between God and Satan. It's between Satan and the church. This is the battle. God doesn't need to fight him. He's a loser. He already knows that. So what does he try to do? Go after the most precious thing in God's sight is the church. That's what he's after. He's always been after. Israel and the church, he hates them both. 
He hates everybody, but particularly those that call on the name of the Lord Jesus. He wants you out of his way. You are a problem to him while you're on this earth, especially when you know how to operate from this seat. Because I tell you, when you start operating from this seat, his kingdom starts retreating constantly, going back, going back, going back. But here's the key to this. Go back to James 4, 7 for a moment. If I don't stand up and resist, he doesn't leave. Very simple, but we have got to see this. If I don't stand up to him, Take the word of God and what God has said and enforce it in his face over darkness. Nothing changes. Oh God, I wish you would just heal me. Oh God, I wish you would just take care of my finances. If you don't stand up, he doesn't flee. So what's my job? Stand up, resist, and he will flee. Now you see the beginning of that is even surrender or submit to God. Meaning what? God, what does your word say about my situation? This is how I feel. This is what people have told me. This is what the doctor said. This is what my boss said. This is what the money, the money says. The financial situation says this. But I'm not going to look at all those. I'm going to go to what your word says. What does your word say? Okay, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. By okay, I, Lord, I'm choosing to believe that. What have you just done? You've just submitted to God. And now, stand up. You can't touch my finances. Why? Because I believe this. I'm a tither. I'm a sower. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his. And what do you do? You keep resisting. You keep standing. Well, those thoughts keep coming back. Resist. Continue to push that back. For how long? Until he flees. Until he runs away. Because listen, he will run away. He's just looking to see, do you actually believe that? Do you? Because listen, the devil, he comes in quietly, but he leaves with a ruckus. <laughs> he actually wants to see, do you actually believe that? You're standing on healing. Look at you, snotty face, eyes are puffed up. You look like a mess. You look like a piece of junk. I would go back to bed if I were you. You know what, just another, another month of sleep would really help. Yeah, that would be really good for you. And meanwhile, what do we do? Oh, yeah, I... Sure, sure feel that, starting to feel that. And, you know, this is just, this flu season, it's just getting really tough around here. And it's just, I guess it's going on. I guess I better just do it. What happens? You are now just submitting to the enemy. And he goes, sweet, piece of cake, I'll just move on. Find the next thing I can devour. So what do we do? Resist. No, 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 no. You try to put that on my son. You try to put that on this, this sacrifice to the Lord. No touching. Find somebody else to mess with. You cannot mess with us. Now, all right, here we are. So again, we must use it. We must command it so that God has access. Now, let's look at this. The church in action here in Acts chapter 3. <laughs> Man, I believe this. The church is waking up. There's a lot of folk that are waking up just to, I mean, this, the more and more I look into this, I'm seeing God. You, wow. Oh, man, wow. Okay, how, Lord, help me. Open my eyes to see this. Because I'm only seeing in part still. I'm going, Lord, there's still so much more to all this. And I believe the church is moving from its begging state to its commanding state. Why? Because the world needs a commanding church. Whether they realize it or not, the world needs a commanding church, a church that operates from this seat. They don't know how to get rid of it. 
talking about all this stuff that's going on here. Let's try this. Let's try that. Well, I got a few other tries. Let's give all those a try. Meanwhile, it's doing nothing. Why? Because it was never yours to get rid of. It's the church's job to make a stand, not fighting government, not fighting people, fighting the darkness that's behind all of it. And we're here to enforce light on darkness. So we do expose it. All right. Here's the church in action. Acts chapter 3. I love this, love this story. It says, one afternoon, Peter and John, or Robert and Julian, they went to the temple of prayer at around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, listen, because a lot of times people just go, oh, they're just so anointed. No. You have to look at seeing these are people that operated in their God-given authority. They knew something. Man, if Peter were to preach a message here, a lot of people would be offended. How can I tell you that? Well, listen, Peter's shadow, he would walk, and Peter, his shadow would heal people. Oh, I, I don't really believe in that stuff. It's a little bit different. It's weird, so you don't... What? Anywho. How did I get off on that? I don't know. It's a pretty good voice, too. Verse 2. As they came <laughs> to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate... They were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. And now listen, I don't know where you may be, but I, I, there's people that are finding their job just to continually carry people, carry people. Just lay them out there for the purpose of begging. Just lay them out there, lay them out there. Church, it's time that we have a different change of mindset. Lift people up rather than just, oh, beg, begging. Oh, yeah, well, I'll help you get to your spot so you can beg. No. Why? From the place of victory, I don't want you to be stuck in that position anymore. Start seeing what Jesus did. He did it for all men. Okay, carried and placed at the entrance of the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those who were going into worship. Now, when he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, what did he do? He begged. This is what he knew. He begged. See, a lot of us, what do we know? We know begging. This is... The culture that, we, that we've heard, or this is you know, how we grew up, or this is part of the church culture I came from, and this is, well, I heard all my life, my parents begged, my, you know, my grandparents begged, I hear begging all the time, we just need, we just need, we just, can you please help, can you please, and you're looking to mere men to solve your needs, that's the problem. Mankind, no matter how wealthy they are, no matter how knowledgeable they were, were never designed to meet your needs, why? We have one need meet, make, maker, meter. And that is our Heavenly Father. That's Jeremiah chapter 17. He says, cursed is the one who looks to mere mortal as their, as their source. It doesn't work. So he says, when he noticed Peter and John, he begged them for money. Verse 4, Peter and John looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man. And I want you to say this with me. Look at us. Again, look at us. What do we need the world to do? Look at us. How are you living fear-free? Look at us. Come here. Let me show you something. The church needs this boldness back. It's this grit back on the inside. Again, not us. Not just because of it's Joel housing. It's because who's on the inside of me? There's this boldness that's rising up in the church, and it is this statement, look at us. Verse 5, expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. What do you got? What do you got? So Peter said, I don't have money. But I'll give you, I'll give you, that means if I'm giving something, that means it's something that he has possession of. What did Peter know? 
I'll give you this. In the name or the power of the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What did he have? What was Peter knowledgeable of at that moment? He knew he had the name that is above every name. The name that can fix any difficult situation. The name that could even get a man who has never walked a day in his life to stand up and walk. Now your spirits right now are going, yeah, give me, give me that. But your, this is where the problem lies, is the soul. Because you could go like this, stand up. Uh, oh, lawsuit, lawsuit. <laughs> if he doesn't stand at home, man, people are not going to be happy about this. This is where the mind renewal takes place. I have to be totally sold out that the name of Jesus is what it is, or am I not gonna? Again, what is that? Is learning this table. Is learning victory. It's being convinced that what Jesus did is enough for all mankind for all time. He said, stand up and walk. Peter held out his right hand. He went, oh, dear Lord, help me. Oh, no, what did he do? He held out his right hand to the crippled man, and he... Pulled the man to his feet suddenly. Man, I love that word suddenly in the Bibles. Suddenly, power surged into his crippled feet and his ankles. The man jumped up, stood up for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. What happened? As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. Not about you, but who do you want to identify in this type of in this particular story? Peter and John or the beggar? Who are you? No, it's a good question to ask yourself. Who am I? Am I a Peter and John? If I've and listen, it's not just them, it's the spirit about them. It's the spirit of faith that's on the inside of them. Like this, and when God when they, I'm kind of jumping around here for a little bit, but in the Old Testament, they were about to cross into the promised land. You know, God said to all those, the spies and everybody else in that congregation, three million people plus 10 were not going to enter the promised land because of their unbelief. But he says, Joshua, son of Nun, will go in. And also this other guy named Caleb, who has a different spirit about him. What's the different spirit about him? Is it just because Caleb was just so anointed? No, he understood what God says is period so for you and i there's a different spirit about you there's a different spirit about this church what is the difference we speak we worship we give we pray we live we serve donuts we greet we ush we children's preach we do everything where from this place of authority from this place of victory so that's why we're seeing you're seeing results that's why it's happening. Why? It's not on us. It's not, oh, look at impact. No, it's look at Jesus. He's teaching us how to function from this table. You know what the good news is? There's not a whole lot of needs going on in this church. Do you know why? You read that in Acts chapter 4, that because the great grace was made available, all the needs were met amongst all the brethren. Now, that's not against. We want to continue to help and bless, and we do that. But what happens when a healthy church gets healthy? Guess what it attracts? Sick folk. And what's the result? Hey, you, you, you're, you're struggling in something? Hey, come on in here. We're healthy. Come on in here. We're strong. Come on in here. We'll show you what the Word of God has to say, and this is how we operate from. Not just, oh, hey, yeah, you know what? We'll just keep, keep begging, keep begging. Yeah, go ahead. We'll just keep, keep suffering with this. No! Okay. Where are we? 
He was stunned, began praising God. Verse 9, when all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized it was the crippled beggar they had passed by in front of the beautiful gate. Astonishment swept over the crowd, for they were amazed over what had happened to him. Dumbfounded over what they were witnessing, the crowd ran over to Peter and John, who were standing under the covered walkway called Solomon's Porch. Standing there also was the healed beggar, clinging to Peter and John. With the crowd surrounding him, Peter said to them all, People of Israel, listen to me. Why are you so amazed by this healing? Remember, where's Peter? Where's he coming from? Where is he operating from? He's operating from the table. Correct? Why, why are you so... This, it became normal to him. This, this is normal. Why do you stare at us as if we didn't make this crippled man to walk on our own power or authority? And how many of you know that? It's not our own power. But it's time the church stops saying, oh, I, I couldn't do any of that. Yes, you can, because God has anointed you to do it. Again, verse 13, he says, The God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he has done this. For he has glorified his servant Jesus, the one you denied, to Pilate's face when he decided to release him, and you insisted that he be crucified. You rejected the one who is holy and righteous and instead begged, <laughs> begged for a murder to be released. You killed the prince of life, but... God raised him from the dead, and we stand here as witnesses to this fact. Verse 16, faith in Jesus' name has healed this man standing before you. What healed him? Faith in what? Faith in Jesus' name. Come on, say it with me. Faith in Jesus' name has healed this man. Not just some accident, not just some sovereign will or act of God that he just touched him and all of a sudden miraculously, we don't know how it happened. We don't know if we could ever do this again. We call those faith accidents. I don't know what happened, but we just got it. And so people run from, you know, from meeting to meeting, looking for some evangelist, or looking for some powerful preacher just to go, if they could just touch me, maybe they'll get it. And only to go and get disappointed because it doesn't work by man. How did it get healed? How did he get healed? Faith. In Jesus' name. So what's your confidence? Where is it in? My faith is in his name. Why? Because it has healed this man standing before you all. It is the faith that comes through believing in Jesus' name that has made the crippled man walk right in front of your eyes. So it's not by our own merit. It's not by how good I am. It's not how long I prayed. It's building my faith to the point of this relationship. I have this fellowship with God. It is so dear. It's so close that all of a sudden when he gives me this on the inside, this green light to go and talk to this person and see what's going on, it gives me this power and boldness to say, stand up. You've never walked before. Well, now's your time. Stand up. It's not me. It's not me just being brash. Boldness comes after you heard. Arrogance comes when you assume. Oh, I'm going to just pray for everybody. You can't do that. Well, I'm going to go to the Red Deer Hospital and clean it all out. You can't do that. Why? Unless the Spirit of God instructs you or leads you, don't do it. You'll fail. Because what did Jesus say? I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. So you and I are coming into a place where a relationship with Jesus is one thing, but you and I, if we're going to make it to the end, not just make it, but be strong and bold and taking all those that are held captive, we need to be in constant close fellowship with God so that at the drop of a hat, we can hear his voice saying, I want you to go there right now. My plans are open to be interrupted. 
Because if I'm not interruptible, he's not able to use me. You can find that in the life and ministry of Jesus. His ministry was interrupted regularly, and the Spirit of God instructed him to go that way. You find that in the way to Jairus, Mark chapter 5, right? He was walking to Jairus' house. Only an old woman came and touched him at the hem of his garment. For she said in herself, if I touch him, I shall be made whole. What happened? Jesus now turned around. Who touched me? All of this is happening. All of this power is surging. How, how is all this taking place? Faith in the name of Jesus. So you and I, this is what we're coming into. Where you and I, we're coming to this place as we said. But I want you to show you this last verse. In Isaiah 45, 11, God is looking for the commanding church not just to command God to do something, but to command, as we see here, the works of my hands. Command ye me. You read it. It says, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, he says this, ask of me things to come concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hands. What does he want you to do? Command me. Huh? You're telling God to do stuff? No. God's already done it. We are now enforcing what he's already done. We're thinking, oh, when we command some healing to go in somebody, we're saying, well, now you're just brash and you're just telling God what to do. No. That's not it at all. God has already done it. He's looking for somebody to flip the switch and say, command, enforce it into this happen, into where darkness is. That's our job. That's our call. And that's what you and I are destined and called to do. Amen. Makes sense. So this morning, I'm done. But this morning, I want to take an opportunity to start commanding some things. You don't need, I got to get all these different prayer people. You don't need about 50 different people praying for you. What you need is to resist the devil, stand firm in your authority, and carry it out. And what do we, when it says, now if any, of, any two of you agree on earth is touching anything, where does the agreement happen? is when you've taken your authority. It's hard to come into agreement with somebody who just says, oh, I want to be healed. Great, we all want it. What are you standing on? What have you taken authority of? What are you believing right now what God has done for you? That makes it easy to come alongside and say, yeah, I agree with what they just said. The reason why is because I don't have authority over your life. I don't have authority over your body. I don't have authority over your finances. I can't just come in and just start bursting. That's called manipulation, which is witchcraft. That don't work. So what do we do? You take your authority, I'm going to stand right beside you, shoulder to shoulder, and we say, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you, in Jesus' name. And I bring and I add my supply of faith to what you just said. So this morning, is there any pain in somebody's body today that needs to be taken care of? Let's all stand up together for a moment. I'm not going to call you up here, but we're going to do it right in this place. We're going to take our authority, we're going to take our stance, and we're going to command some things to change. Or if you want to just stay with it, that's fine too. But I think the devil's had enough. That's enough. Are we sick and tired of being sick and tired? Enough. Are you enough with the devil? Keep messing with your kids. Enough. Are you done all of a sudden when the, the devil messing with your finances? Enough. That is enough. So what do we do? We enforce. And it's not this, I got to stir some emotion up. It's not an emotion. It's not like I have to think of some heavenly, amazing words to come up with. All that it is, it just simply is, I have faith in the name of Jesus. And I just, therefore, command some things to change in my life. Job situations. I know there's some of you that are working through some of that. Well, what do we do? We call in the right job that you need.
that will bring in the finances, the, the proper place for you where you're at. How do we do that? You just take your authority on it. Either this is real or it's not. Or we're just a bunch of weirdos. It's real. Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not just weird. It's not just me. It's, it's, it's not me. It's you. Okay, yeah, okay. So this morning, what I want you to do, just take a second, and I want you just to think of whatever situation it may be. If there's healing that needs to take place in your body, if there's some sort of darkness going on, and even in your soul, in your thinking, in your physical body, if there's a natural thing that's going off that doesn't line up with the Word of God, this morning we are taking our authority on it and we are commanding the Word of God, the power and authority given to us by God Almighty, and we are telling the devil, it's over. And we're going to say, this, this is what's trying to cause havoc in my life. This is what's trying to hurt my knee. This is what's trying to hurt my stomach. This is what's trying to bring confusion to my soul. No, you piece of trash. No, it's done. So let's just do this together. Father, in the name of Jesus, here's my situation. Now I want you just to say it to, to yourself, to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now here's my situation. First of all, say this after me. First of all, I cast the care over on you once and for all because you love me and you care for me. Now, Father, I see from your word that you told me that I'm to enforce and to command the authority that you've given me. So in the name of Jesus, I command, now say your situation. Come on, tell them right now. I command, now you're speaking to this situation, this confusion, this ailment, this hurt, this frustration. Now again, in the name of Jesus, I command you to change. I've released my authority. I believe in God. I believe what he said. So I thank you for it. I believe I receive my answer, my clarity, my healing, my deliverance. It's a done deal in your eyes. Come on, y'all say it. It's a done deal in your eyes. So it's a done deal in my eyes. And anytime the enemy tries to bring it to my mind, I'm going to remind him of what you said and what you've done. I am free. Come on, I am free. Come on again, I am free. I'm free from the care. I'm free from the worry. I'm free from the depression. I'm free from the anxiety. I'm free from the pain. Oh, I'm free from the torment. Oh, come on, y'all. God loves me. Come on, just remind that God loves me. He loves me. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. Carrie, would you come for just a moment? Father, could you just keep going. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. Come on, just keep saying that for a moment. Remind your soul. Soul, he loves me. Soul, he loves me.
on, y'all. We're just going to worship. I put them on the spot here for a sec, so that's good. He reigns. He reigns. Come on, just I want you to see this. He reigns forever. And he reigns. He reigns. He reigns forever. And he reigns. He reigns. He reigns forever. His name is Jesus, the ruler of everything. Come on, we say it again. Sing it again. And he reigns. He reigns. Come on, we fix our eyes on him this morning. He reigns. He reigns. He reigns forever. He reigns. He reigns. He reigns forever. His name is Jesus. for a moment just that situation thank you Lord it's dealt with thank you Lord you are my source my provider thank you you are my healer thank you Lord I look to you the author and the developer and the perfecter of my faith thank you Jesus thank you Lord praise you Jesus
Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, I just had this while we were, while we were just singing this. This same confession that you're saying here, say it again tomorrow. Yeah. You know, the Bible tells us, Hebrews yeah. chapter 2, that we don't lose or don't let go of your confession. Meaning this, don't change what you're saying tomorrow because it doesn't line up with what you believe and said today. What do we do? We hold fast. What was it? Hold fast. Hold on to what? My confession. What am I saying? I say the end result constantly. I say the end result, not, oh, it's not working. No, 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 no. Don't go there. Lord, I want to thank you that it's met. That need is met. The situation is taken care of. My body, line up. You are healed. When? When I feel it? No. I believe it before the ball goes in the hoop. I believe I'm healed now. So hold fast to that confession because the first thing the enemy is going to be after is, well, does it really work though? He's going to challenge you from this table. Don't leave the table. Don't leave the table. Don't let him pull you out of the table and get you to start looking at all the natural things again. Stay put. Stay at that table because it is the place of victory. Do you know how long God said, I have somebody coming that's going to rescue the earth? Do you know how many, how long he's been speaking that? He said that for over 4,000 natural our years. Genesis chapter 3, and it finally came, John chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Just keep saying it. If it doesn't look like it, just keep saying it. Just keep saying it. Don't leave the table. Why? Because this table is a place of victory, and the devil cannot go there. Amen. Amen. There's just an urgency in my spirit that, um, and I say this with all graciousness because the Holy Spirit is so gracious. He takes us by the hand and he teaches us and he wants to learn this and this is step by step but I say this with an urgency my spirit that we have to get this. We have to get this if not for ourselves and our own families but to be the Peter and John that are going out into the world that are saying hey look at me. I, this is what I have. Look at me in the name of Jesus and so I do believe um, I don't know if this is for all of us but for or just for one person and even if it's for the one there is an area of your life that you have not yet opened up to the Lord and I know there's someone here today who said like not that Lord but you're the Lord of these areas you reign you reign you reign in all these areas but there's this area that no I'm not quite okay to go there and I believe he needs that access to every single area of our life in order for us to fully operate in the authority he's given us. And again, it might not be you, but it might be for someone you come in contact with. So I just encourage you, the Holy Spirit is so gentle. He's so gracious. If you come to him and you say, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to open up my heart to you in that area. He will show you. And it will be step by step by step. God doesn't beat us over the head with his word and say, get it, get it now. He's so gracious. Take these scriptures we learned today. Take the message that we heard today. Look at it throughout the week. Open your heart to the word and God will open his heart towards you. And so I just want to pray over the congregation. Take my second mic. If you can open up your hands to him again. Father, I thank you so much for your gracious Holy Spirit. And right now we just speak, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts this week. Speak to our hearts. Show us how to open up our hearts even further to you. Show us if there's areas we have not submitted yet to you. Lord, I thank you for your word that said, first, submit to God. 
then resist the devil. The peace in between there, Lord, we know as we submit to you, you tell us what to do. You tell us the next step and then we resist. And so I believe you for that, Father, and I declare over the congregation today, you will speak to us this week. You will teach us this week. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher and you've got full access. You reign in our lives and we believe you for that right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. is the day to do it. You don't want to go another day without knowing that Jesus is your Lord. I want to just make sure if there's anybody here that's never done that before, you want to say, you know what? Yeah, I want to do that. I'm going to be bold and I want to do that today. I want you just to know that most people in this room have done that before. You don't have to feel nervous or embarrassed. Just put up your hand for a second. We're not going to look, laugh at you. We actually want to welcome you to this family. Welcome. We need more brothers and sisters. Is there anybody here that has never done that and would like to do that this day? You be bold and we got you. No, all right. Okay, everybody, you are a child of God. You are? Come on, put it up. This is, this is who we are. This is my identity. I am a child of God. <laughs> all right. Have a wonderful day. Julian's going to say bye.